Welcome to the third episode of our podcast series about positive intelligence. We are Debbie McCullough and Charlie Jett, two certified positive intelligence coaches and partners whose clients include individuals and, and businesses. And businesses, you bet. This is our third episode where we will continue our discussion of positive intelligence or PQ, as it is, as it is called. Positive intelligence is a brainchild of Shazad Shamin and is well documented in his book, Positive Intelligence, why only 20% of teams and individuals achieve their true potential and how you can achieve yours. Our podcast episodes are about 15 minutes in length and will, for simplicity and clarity, cover just one single topic per episode. And today, we want to introduce you to the saboteurs. But first, let's review some definitions. Positive intelligence, or PQ, measures the relative strength of two modes of your mind, your best friend, which is your right brain, and your worst enemy, your left brain. In a sense, your left brain tells you why you can't do something and why you're not good enough or why you should behave in ways other than your long-term best interest. In contrast, your right brain speaks to you as your wiser self, yourself with deep wisdom. And the problem for most people is that the left brain dominates and drowns out our wiser selves, ultimately leading to our making decisions that are not generally in our own best long-term interest. And the ultimate goal of positive intelligence is to regulate the imbalance between the left and right brain, or to put it simply, turn down the volume of voices coming from the left brain and turn up the volume of the voices coming from the right brain. Our positive intelligence measures the relative strength of these two modes of your mind. A high positive intelligence means that your mind is acting as your friend far more than your enemy. It leads to greater performance and happiness. And then low positive intelligence is the reverse. It leads to underperformance and a lack of happiness. Now let's meet those saboteurs. Saboteurs are a universal phenomenon. And unless you tackle and weaken, weaken your own internal enemies, we call them saboteurs, they will do their best to rob you of any improvements you make. These are the voices that through the positive intelligence system, you need to turn down the volume so you can hear the voices of your wise inner self. Understand, though, that you cannot silence them or eradicate them. These saboteurs are built into your left brain, but you can diminish their effects. Yes, and the question is not whether you have saboteurs, but which ones you have and how strong they are. They are universal spanning cultures, genders, and age groups because they are connected to the functions of the brain that have focused on survival. So here they are. First, the judge. The judge is the master saboteur, the one everyone suffers from. The judge compels you to constantly find faults with yourself, others, and your conditions and circumstances. And it does so under the pretense of being rational and reasonable and trying to help you. Put simply, 
Your judge saboteur is your private enemy number one. Think about these questions. Do you ever feel that you're not good enough? Do you ever feel that you're judging others? Well, how about feeling that you're judging a circumstance? If so, then you're listening to your judges lie to you. Its most damaging lie is that you're not worthy of love and respect just by being you. So be aware of the enormous damage inflicted by your judge. Missed opportunities, missed success, the damage it does to you and your loved ones. Then think about all the positive that can happen if you turn down the volume of this universal saboteur. Strengthen your positive intelligence, your mental fitness. Again, we all have the judge whispering or even shouting in our ears. Learn how to turn down its volume. Again, you can do this through the PQ system. Next, here are the accomplice saboteurs. Yes, and there are nine of them, and we'll list them and talk about them in alphabetical order. First, the avoider. The avoider focuses on the positive and the pleasant in an extreme way. It avoids difficult and unpleasant tasks and conflicts. Your thoughts might include, include, well, this is just too unpleasant. Maybe if I let it go, it will take care of itself. If I deal with this now, I will hurt somebody's feelings. I'd rather not. Or if I get into conflict with others, I might lose my connection with them. Or I have found balance. I don't want to mess with this. I'd rather give someone else their way to create a scene. Now, Debbie, you had an example of how the avoider affects you. Yeah, it's interesting how the avoider shows up for me, Charlie. My avoider's presence typically become, comes when I have a lot of tasks in front of me and my avoider saboteur, which is my dominant saboteur with the stickler, messes with me by partnering with the judge and convincing me that a task that I'm avoiding is going to take forever. I'm so convinced that this task I'm avoiding is going to be such a time suck, it will disrupt my whole day and get in the way of my entire productivity. But in doing so, the anxiety that results from avoiding this task gets in the way of my productivity. Then through using the positive intelligence operating system, I activate and overcome the voices and the lies of the avoider and the judge. I get to the task and what happens? Every time the task that my judge and avoider convinced me would take a huge amount of time takes a minuscule out of the time. And that has helped me, that noticing has helped me really turn down the volume in my avoider saboteur. That's a good example. Now, we often wonder where these saboteurs come from. Well, the, the avoider could rise from both happy and difficult childhoods. In a happy childhood, for example, one might not have learned the resiliency of dealing with difficult emotions. In a childhood of high conflict and tension, on the other hand, the avoider might come in to play peacemaker and learn not to add any negativity or tension of one's own on top of the existing family tensions. The Im impact of the avoider includes denying the conflicts and negativities that do exist and that prevent one from actually working with them 
and turning them into gifts. Or feeling numb to pain is different than knowing how to harvest the wisdom and power of pain. What is avoided doesn't go away and it just festers. Relationships are kept superficial through conflict avoidance. And the reduction of others' trust level as they are not sure where negative information is being withheld. So you can use the PQ system to turn down the volume of the avoider and listen to your wiser self. Next, the controller. The controller runs an anxiety-based need to take charge, control situations, and bend people's actions to one's own will. This saboteur creates high anxiety and impatience within when it's not possible. When the controller talks to you, you might be thinking, I'm either in control or out of control. If I work hard enough, I can and should control the situation so it goes my way. Others want and need me to take control. I'm doing them a favor. And then no one tells me what to do. And yet underneath the bravado of the controller, there's often a hidden fear of being controlled by others or by life. The controller is often associated with early life experiences where the child's forced to grow up fast, be on its own, and take charge of chaotic or dangerous surroundings to survive. The control is also associated with being hurt, rejected, or betrayed, and deciding to never allow themselves to be that vulnerable again. And what's the impact of all this controller impact? Well, getting temporary results, but the, at the cost of others feeling controlled and resentful and not able to tap into their own greater reserves, generating a lot of anxiety as many things in work and life are ultimately not controllable. If I look at my work history and then my personal relationships as well, I would say any relationship I've terminated has helped resulted from me feeling like I was a receiver of controlling behavior. So speaking from that experience, there's an incentive right there to turn down the volume of the controller with positive intelligence. Next, the hyperachiever. Now the hyperachiever makes you dependent on constant performance and achievement for self-respect and self-validation. It keeps you focused mainly on external success rather than on internal criteria for happiness. When you listen to the hyperachiever, you often think, I must be the best at what I do. Or if I can't be outstanding, I won't bother. I must be efficient and effective. Ah, my emotions get in the way of my performance. I must focus on thinking and action, not on how I or others feel. And I can be anything I want to be. I must be anything I want to be. I am worthy so long as I am successful and others think well of me. In my own personal example, my father was an alcoholic. And to compensate for that, I would try to achieve the best that I could, to work as hard as I could, to stand above everyone else, and to really be the star, just to compensate and to achieve the things that I thought that I think or thought at the time 
would make people really, really admire me. Now for the hyperachiever, self-validation or self-acceptance and self-love are all conditional and conditioned on continual performance. This is often a result of either conditional or altogether absent validation from parental figures. Even with very loving and approving parents, it's easy for children to get the sense that they are loved in return for achieving, like in my own experience, obeying the rules, having good manners, getting the best grades, and so forth, rather than accepting unconditional love. Now, the hyperachiever impacts others. Peace and happiness, for example, are fleeting for me, and I have short-lived in brief, have a short life in brief celebrations of achievement. My self-acceptance is continuously con conditioned on the next success. Oh, I seem to lose touch with deeper feelings, deeper self, and my ability to connect deeply with others. It affects my relationships. Others might be pulled into the performance vortex of the hyperachiever and become similarly lopsided in their focus on external achievement. And you can turn the volume down of this hyperachievement with positive intelligence. Thank you, Charlie. Next, the hyperrational saboteur. This saboteur involves an intense and exclusive focus on the rational processing of everything, including relationships. You become impatient with people's emotions and regard emotions as unworthy of much time. Listening to the hyper-rational saboteur includes the following lies. The rational mind is where it's at. Feelings are distracting, even irrelevant. Many are so irrational and sloppy in their thinking. I must shut out intrusions. What I value most is knowledge, understanding, and insight. Self-worth is attached to mastering knowledge and competence. The hyper-rational saboteur is a good survival strategy in early childhood circumstances, emotional turmoil, or chaotic surroundings that escape into the neat and orderly rational mind provides security intellectual superiority. It also gains us attention and praise by showing up as the smartest person in the room. But here's the impact on self and others. You limit the depth and flexibility of your relationships both at work and at home by analyzing rather than experiencing feelings. You intimidate less analytically intense people. So turn down the volume of the hyper-rational with positive intelligence. Next, the hyper-vigilant. Now, the hyper-vigilant makes you feel intense and continuously anxious about all the dangers surrounding you and what could go wrong. It's constantly vigilant and can never, never rest. Listening to the hyper-vigilant saboteur makes you think, oh, when is the other shoe going to drop? Or... If I make a mistake, I think everyone's going to jump down my throat. I want to trust people, but I feel myself suspicious of their motives. I need to know what the rules are, although I might not always follow them. Now, the hypervigilant often comes from early experiences where the source of safety and security, a parental figure perhaps, 
was unpredictable and reliable. It could also result when painful, unexpected events prove life to be a threatening or unreliable experience. Now, the hypervigilance impact on self and others include, this is a hard way to live. The constant anxiety burns a great deal of my vital energy that could otherwise be put to great use. I'm losing credibility due to others thinking that I'm always crying wolf. Others begin to avoid me as the intensity of that energy drains them. And you can turn down the volume of the hypervigilant saboteur with positive intelligence. Next, the pleaser. The pleaser compels you to try to gain acceptance and affection by helping, pleasing, rescuing, or flattering others. And yet you lose sight of your own needs and then become resentful of others. Some lies of the pleaser include, to be good, I must put the needs of others ahead of my own. When people don't notice or care about what I've done for them, I'm bothered. Others are selfish and ungrateful. I give away too much and I don't think of myself enough. I can make anyone like me. If I don't rescue people, who will? The pleasure tries to earn attention and acceptance, but this indirect attempt to have one's emotional needs met. It's fed by two original assumptions. I must put others' needs ahead of my own. I must give love and affection to get any back. I must earn it, and I'm, simply worth, I'm not simply worth it on my own. So what's the impact? You can jeopardize, jeopardize taking care of your own needs, including emotional, physical, or financial needs. You can burn out, feel resentful, and others might develop a dependence on you rather than learning to take care of themselves. Turn down the volume of the pleaser with positive intelligence. You bet. And now we come to the restless. Now, the restless is constantly in search of greater excitements in the next activity or through personal busyness. It doesn't allow you to feel much peace or contentment with your current activity. Now, the lies of the restless include and make you think, well, what I'm doing isn't fulfilling for me. The next thing for me has got to be much more exciting. Ah, these negative feelings suck. Golly, I must shift my attention to something more exciting. Why can't anyone else keep up with me? Now, the restless is a strategy to find constant new sources of excitement, pleasure, and self-nurturing. This could be associated with early life experiences with inadequate parental nurturing or painful circumstances, such as being bored in the situation. Restless indulgence is not only providing a substitute for self-nurturing, but it's also an escape from having to deal with anxiety and pain. The restless certainly impacts others and yourself. Underneath the surface of fun and excitement of the restless, is an anxiety-based escape from being present to this moment's full experience, which might include dealing with unpleasant things. You might avoid a real and lasting focus on the issues and relationships that truly do matter. Or others might have a difficult time keeping up with the frenzy and chaos 
brought about, brought about by the restless and thus are unable to build anything sustainable around it. And like the others, you just turn down the volume of the restless with positive intelligence. Next up, the stickler. The stickler saboteur is the need for perfection, order, and organization taken too far. It makes you and others around you anxious and uptight. And this is one of my dominant saboteurs. So here are some of the familiar thoughts for those sharing this, this saboteur. Right is right and wrong is wrong. I know the right way. It's my way or the highway. If you can't do it perfectly, don't do it at all. And being organized and methodical ensures that you'll get things done right. Nor is there any room for the stickler to have any mistakes. Now, the stickler offers a way of quieting the constant voice of self-judgment and fear of others' judgments through trying to be perfect. Perfection and order bring some temporary relief. Order in the middle of a chaotic family dynamic or earned acceptance and attention from emotionally distant or demanding parents by standing out as the reproachable perfect kid. But there's a real impact of the stickler. This rigid and inflexibility with dealing with change and others different styles can create relationship tension. It can serve as a source of ongoing anxiety and frustration. It can cause resentment and anxiety, self-doubt and resignation in others who feel constantly criticized and resigning themselves that no matter how hard they work, they'll never please the stickler. So turn down the volume of the stickler with positive intelligence. And finally, we have the victim. The victim wants you to feel emotional and temperamental as a way of gaining attention and affection. It results in an extreme focus on internal feelings, particularly painful ones, and that can often result in a martyr streak. The victim makes you think, no one understands me, or poor me. Terrible things often happen to me, or I might be uniquely disadvantaged or flawed. I am what I feel. Oh, I wish someone would come and rescue me from this dreary mess. Now, the victim is sometimes associated with the childhood experience of not feeling seen and accepted, it's coming to believe that something is especially wrong with you. The victim is a strategy to squeeze out some affection from those who would otherwise not be paying attention. The, this mo the moods of a victim mimic a false sense of aliveness. And the impact of the victim is that your vitality is wasted through focus on internal processing and brooding. Your behavior backfires and pushes people away. You make other, other people feel frustrated, helpless, or guilty that they can't put more than a temporary Band-Aid on your pain. Turn down the volume of the victim with positive intelligence. Now it's important to note that a saboteur does its greatest damage if it convinces you that it is your friend Believe me, it's not. Each saboteur has some very reasonable justifications for its actions, but these justifications are nothing but well-concealed lies. It tells you that it's your friend 
and will help you, but it doesn't. So there they are, the judge and the nine saboteurs. We look forward in subsequent episodes and taking you with us on a deep dive into the positive intelligence system. PQ can help you and can help your business toward greater productivity and happiness. And again, you can contact me at Debbie at hangingrockcoaching.com or look for me on LinkedIn under D.G. McCullough. And you can contact me, Charlie Jett, at charliejett.com. Now, Debbie and I want to thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon with our next episode where we will discuss in more depth the saboteur that we all have, the judge. The judge.